Tom. It's just a smidgen past five after six, and here we go with another day's version of the Don Buster Show from Armed Forces Radio. I'm Airman Adrian Cronauer, and for the next four hours, we've got the best in popular music for you here, so let's get started right now with music. So that's the uh, real deal, Adrian Cronauer, the... Uh Subject of the hit movie of like 25 years ago, Good Morning Vietnam, starring the irascible Robin Williams. Uh, that that was uh, cool to hear the actual guy, although that was obviously non-controversial and just him doing kind of a DJ thing. Um, I remember when the movie came out, hearing some of the the real clips of him, and he wasn't quite as manic as Robin Williams, but you, you know, are. <laughs> well, well, yeah, good point. Wow, I don't know. That dog's not as big as an elephant. What kind of comparison is that? Um, but I just, uh, I find myself thinking about, you know, as a guy, and Jack's the same, and he'll be back in a second, but um, I just, I loved radio so much as a kid and a teenager and a young man and the rest of it. It's really the reason I do this is I just, just you know, and uh, I'm rambling, but my point is that in the midst of just the usual teenage angst and up and down and school pressure and running from school to baseball practice to my job and the rest of it, Having, you know, the entertainment and the laughs and everything, that was like a really important source of joy for me. And it's one of the reasons I'm a radio freak. I love radio. I can't even imagine what it was like for guys stuck in Vietnam, you know, come for the terror, stay for the boredom and the humidity and the seeing people you grow to care about killed and and and, and keeping in mind the... Uh, fairly well-known betrayals of the government, even as they're dealing with that. I can't even imagine what an Adrian Cronauer, with his humor and his irreverence and his poking uh, poking a finger at the man now and again, I can't even imagine what that meant to the guys over there. Um, if you've never seen the movie Good Morning Vietnam, it's it's great. And it's, you know, it's your classic uh, little guy, the man of the people, getting put down by the man, etc. But uh, it's a great film. He uh, just passed or in the last day or, or so. Is that it right? Was this week, yeah. 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 Anyway. I just attempted to order a Papa John's pizza, but they're not open this early. Oh, I was going to stand by him during his time in need. Wow. And uh, that movie also made me very thankful that Robin Williams didn't actually go into radio, because otherwise nobody else would have had a job. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Although he got lots of takes to be funny and entertaining. That's true. Uh, that's true. Uh, I don't want to speak ill of the dead, but well, never mind. Oh, uh, use this moment. There's a great new documentary about Robin Williams on HBO that's, yeah, I've that's heard it's really fascinating. Good. Called, I think it's Come Inside My Mind, I believe is what it's called. Mm. But it's a, a, a brilliant look at a very... I'd rather not. It looks scary in there. <laughs> yes, yes. My main reaction to Robin Williams' stand-up through the years was fear. I would get so nervous watching him because it always seemed like he was flopping, like he was dying, and and he was frantically trying to ad-lib his way out of it, frequently with ingenious results, but uh, he was always on the high wire. Um, we got a fair amount of response to the feral cat conversation. Yeah. That uh, Washington, D.C. is the first major city is going to try to count how many right. feral cats. And have. your idea of machine gunning them. Well, I think they ought to be put down anyway when you catch them. The idea of neutering them and setting them free. just So you're just going to wait for them to die a miserable, living-on-the-street death. Having, you know, attacked many domestic animals, killed birds, lizards, etc. Um, right. 
just yeah. seem I, I just think it's misplaced something or other. Well, there there is a standard of when a population has grown beyond the wise and 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 you know acceptable, whether it's deer or elk or or elephants or whatever else. It's just you got to be rational. We don't know how many illegals there are in this country, but we're going to count cats. We don't have any idea how many homeless people live in every city, but we're going to count cats. Pretty good point. I guess. It's an animal advocacy group, so it's not, you know, come up with your, if you can get a bunch of people together to try to count the homeless, go ahead. Um, good luck with that. They think there are a million, did I say a million and a half stray and feral cats in L.A. County? Every a year, a million and a half shelter animals are euthanized. In America, about 860,000 cats a year, every year. And that's in shelters. Yeah, a lot of those would be cats that would be very adoptable, whereas feral cats are not. No, but, you know, they, they're in theory very adoptable, but there are 75 cats, well, probably 750 cats for every person who wants to adopt one. Sure, of course. And that's, you know, it's a tragedy, but it is. Yeah. Is a uh, your local um, animal control department considered a shelter i don't know i just wonder because they euthanize tens of thousands as well or hundreds of thousands we have uh we're we're great cat owners but we've had the same cat now for uh 11 years something like that Mm. it's just i mean how many cats do you need and then when that cat finally dies around 15 or something like that maybe we'll get another cat but that's so like that in in a span of a quarter century we'll be able to take care of two cats as a family that wants a cat and most Families don't want a cat. So the point is, you don't need that many cats. It's a little rude that you're shutting Sean out of this conversation. (laughs) I don't see why that would be. I don't really have any extra thing to add. Anyway, you talk about animals, you're going to get a lot of texts and emails. Oh, yeah. 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 Never work with animals and children, they say. (laughs) Never talk about them on radio. Mm -hmm. Uh, So listen, very briefly, in the time we have left, it's always great to hear from uh, Tom... The uh, doctor and Ph.D. guy who works in, um, uh, uh, well, CRISPR and genetics and cancer and that sort of thing. And he was commenting on the story that we mentioned a day or two ago about the fact that some of the CRISPR techniques, it turns out it it messes up more genes than they thought and, and could actually cause cancer, et cetera, et cetera. That was the gist of the story. And um, Tom Reich's colleagues in my research group and academic department have generated some of the data mentioned in the articles reporting on this subject, and I must say that the coverage is enormously sensationalized. I hope these bullet points are of use to you. They are, to the extent that I can understand them, and they're a tad specific for the purposes of a radio show. But he summarizes, in my opinion, this unsurprising data has not in the least altered the course of CRISPR development because we have always planned to check cells for cancer-associated changes before use in humans. And, um, well, the long and short of it is a lot of the coverage was wildly inaccurate, lacking in context, and, and, and completely overheated. But, you know, I think that a, is journalism. I think a great Ph.D.-level paper would be what percentage of mainstream media stories are uh, more misleading than they are not? Uh, I think that'd be a, a valuable thing to know. Yeah. I'll bet, I'll bet it's over half that you are better off not hearing the story than having heard it. Because now you're further from the truth than you were before you heard the story. I'm not sure how you'd assess that exactly, but it's an interesting question for sure. Yeah. Um, I'm rooting for Tesla, but... 
Tesla took a downgrade yesterday for some uh, for some troubling reasons. Most people believe their job is causing them to gain weight. We could touch on that at some point. And a whistleblower from deep inside docks in the box. Deep inside the urgent care world. Okay. The seamy dark underbelly of getting your ankle looked at to figure out if it's broke. Instead of waiting nine weeks for an appointment. I've had this cough for a week. The underbelly of that. Okay. The under chest of it. The, uh, never mind. Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. The Armstrong and Getty Show. I don't care if Monday's blue, Tuesday's gray and Wednesday too. Thursday, I don't care about you. It's Friday, I'm in love. Uh, Democrats. Democrats. Yesterday, they unveiled their new midterm campaign slogan, For the People. They say it sums up. The party's position on three core issues, health care costs, infrastructure projects, and efforts to expose corruption. Their first try, a better deal, never really seemed to resonate with voters. Uh, I'm just wondering, uh, first of all, what you think of the For the People slogan uh, and whether it has uh, what it takes to, to break through the noise. Joe, I'm actually meeting with uh, Tom Perez, the head of the DNC, next week to talk about messaging. and. Boy, that is not the answer. Talk about a generic non-starter. Here is the campaign. Here is the message they need to run. This is the vote of your lifetime. This That's is for Donnie democracy. Deutsch, who is one of the top... It's pronounced douche. He's one of the biggest uh, brand managers in the world. Um, and, he's but super his crazy idea rich. Is, this is the most important vote of your lifetime? I think that's good. You don't like that? Well, this is the vote they, of your lifetime? Yeah, but they... Get well, people all fired up to go out and say this phrase, matters? You know what? Yeah, that's... For the people's going to do nothing. No. Uh, the the idea that this is the most important election of our lifetimes, I mean, that's said of every single election ever. I think you could sell that message, though, to... Given the circumstance and the way he worded it specifically, it'd look good on a t-shirt. This is I'll the vote of your lifetime. Oh, absolutely. Would you rather be a young person standing on the corner with your... This is the vote of a lifetime T-shirt trying to convince people, or for the people. Hmm. Which, That's by the way, weak. the reason I don't remember what the Republican slogan was from the last eight elections is because they were probably similar to for the people. Did they even have one? I think everybody has a slogan going into every election. You just don't remember them because they're usually a bunch of consultants <clears throat> who've never accomplished anything in the private sector hmm. come up with something like for the people as opposed to a guy like Donnie Deutsch who comes up with just do it for Nike or whatever and makes a gazillion dollars has a better idea is a little more captivating he ought to unleash a line of bags deutsch bags don't you think <laughs> don't you think that'd be successful no i'll always remember it was either the day before or day of election he's on morning joe on msnbc the last most important election of our lives. And uh, and they said, God, what's got you so down? He said, I think we're actually going to, what was the word he used? The particular word is important. 
this nut job or something like that. But he said, I think we're actually going to elect this nut job. And they were all like, what are you talking about? <laughs> they were all, everybody on the MSNBC said, what are you talking about? Look at the polls, dude. Right. Which polls? <laughs> but him, as a guy who was, you know, brand manager really into the reality of things. Right. He, he understood something going on, apparently. Yeah. Yeah. So what's his idea again? The election of our lifetime? The election of your lifetime. Okay. Okay. Well, I wish him luck I like your, that. puts it on you to do yes. something about it. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. See what happens. For the people. <laughs> That's a nothing. Hey. God, how long did you spend on that? How about for the people? Okay, good, Jim. Well, let's break. Let's go to lunch. You know, it'd be funny if the Republicans came back with their slogan, for the people. <laughs> And they just shouted it at each other, since that's kind of the idea of elections. This isn't my opinion, but if you were... Who's going to be for me? If you're running the, the, the DNC, if you came up with the slogan, Trump sucks, and that was just your slogan, wouldn't that be pretty good? It's frank. Or maybe underneath it, let's do something about it. Yeah, yeah. So, listen, I love that's it. your biggest motivating factor, isn't it? Oh, yeah, I would think so. What are the three issues I spaced off as he was saying them? Feral health- cats? No, I don't think that's correct. Uh, health- Somebody said instead of getting spending a million and a half dollars on all those cameras, why don't you spend $45,000 on the world's biggest tuna can? <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> that would work. My highest praise. Uh, so... Uh, but uh, health care costs was one of their causes. Oh, yeah, that's been great so far. You know, thanks for Obamacare. No, My gonna, costs are going down, well, down, down. You're going to eliminate that in some people's eyes by going with universal health care. Then you don't have to pay anything. Okay. If right. you don't understand the way the world works. But, right. Yes, if you're a complete maroon. I love the whistleblower emails we get. And we work very hard to protect your... Identity, we have never given up a source. We've never had anybody get in trouble for getting us information. Never, I don't think. Uh, so if you uh, would like to blow the whistle, you know, email us, mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. This is a uh, note from Nancy B. Smith. Of, oh, my God. Oh, my God. I am so sorry, Nancy. Not That's, that's a joke. Al or Ali Anonymous writes, Now, listen, boys, and... <laughs> This person says, point of order, I am pretty sure I was the first to greet you with that Doug Steffen throwback so many years ago. Mm. This person claims authorship of that as a greeting. Listen, boys. Anyway, on to business. I am one of those urgent care providers, and from what I've seen, I am the only one who isn't prescribing antibiotics for hurt feelings and severe dandruff. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Referring back to the study that came out the other that, day. That's that, interesting. We, we we really have trouble getting antibiotics for anything. That's wild. They're really hesitant. And You're talking in the box must be a real outlier. And I understand the hesitancy. Mm-hmm. I get what the we're, we're going to breed superbugs. Right. And that will kill us all. It's yeah. not Putin. It's not China. It's not the liberals. It's some super virus. It's not... I'm... I think... Some so in terms of a hundred million people dying, if I could bet my house on disease or nuclear war, it'd be disease a hundred times out of a hundred. Because hmm. we're we're breeding these superbugs. Ask any emergency room person. But anyway, uh, getting back, I love the line about I'm apparently the only one not prescribing antibiotics for hurt feelings and severe dandruff. I spent most of my career working in a busy ER before taking a sweeter deal in an urgent care. So here's a sweet listicle of reasons for antibiotic overuse. 
Number one, the urgent care is the freaking B team. No denying it. Urgent cares just don't attract the strongest clinicians. Interesting. No offense to anybody in the uh, dock-in-the-box industry. Most of the B-team urgent care providers are my fellow PAs and NPs. Well, are we talking about, when you say urgent care, do you mean these private, not affiliated with the giant hospital things? Or because we go to urgent care through our own hospital. They call it urgent care. It's nights and weekends. Good question. Don't know. And it seems to be, to a certain extent, the B-team. Either new or really old or I think if you're the A-team, you're not working Sunday afternoon. I would assume. Yeah. But I could be wrong. There could be some health systems listening that say, oh, no, we rotate all our people. It's part of the deal. Maybe I, don't I don't know. I don't know. I would like to hear that. Uh, most of the B-team uh, physicians, assistants, and nurse practitioners, a PA or NP can be a great clinician, but as I've said, the urgent cares aren't skimming from the top. Here's the kicker. Many PA and NPs are more vulnerable to the need for approval and afraid of criticism since we are always facing the you're not a doctor thing. So a weak PA, I think, is even more apt to overprescribe than a weak MD. Point three, to be a good antibiotic steward, I have to spend 10 plus minutes explaining why little Billy doesn't need antibiotics for his cold. 70% of those mommies are going to forget everything I said and will then tell all their friends that I suck at my job. God, it seems so simple to me. If the doctor says, no, this is viral to go away on its own. Okay. I don't want to give my kids drugs they don't need. You know what's? It occurred to me when we were thinking about this the other day, talking about this. The problem is the name antibiotic. It ought to be antibacterial. If they were just called antibacterials and doctors say, you don't have a bacteria, you have a virus, so this won't do you any good. People say, oh, I think that may be part of it. I'm no Donnie Douche. Uh, let's see. This is where I can... Uh, or this I, new line of bags. Or I can... <laughs> Uh, uh, or I can give them a prescription. Pres- hmm. A conscription. I need a, I need a prescription for this swollen tongue I have. <laughs> <laughs> or I can give them a prescription, get them out of my room in five minutes, and they'll yep. tell everybody I'm brilliant. See, that's what apathetic I, providers just say F it. That's what I th- have always thought it was more of. I got, I'm, I'm 10 patients behind already. You want an antibiotic? Here, go. One person's not going to make much of a dent in the worldwide disease problem. Right. Get out of here. And Good you're luck a with pain that. in my hiney. Um, the problem is, if you've ever had, and I've, I've had it happen, my wife said, we've had it happen with our kids. They, they, they tell you they think it's viral. It turns out not to be. It doesn't go away. Then you go back and get antibiotics eventually, but you end up being sick like two weeks longer than you would have been otherwise, which right. is really annoying. Right. Um, urgent care is retail medicine. Get most of its income from people going to the clinic for something that I would never even consider taking myself or my kid in for. God, that's that what we all need. model depends on the same mom showing up with a Medicaid card over and over. That should be a class in high school. Things you go to the doctor for and things you don't. That'd so, be a great class. So misinformed but happy customers are good for business. I believe that. What's coming up in your news, Marshall? Trump, Putin's second summit surprise, and considering a four-day work week, new test shows surprising results. I'm in. You're going to tell me people don't want a four-day work week? That always sounds great to me. Four long days and three days off. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. You got to get to that um, four-day work week story. Yep. Getting a lot of texts from people who have that work four 10-hour days and have a three-day weekend every weekend. 
sounds pretty appealing. How about three 14-hour days? Uh, we had a cop said he, he did um, three 12s for a while, mm. uh-huh. and then he'd have four days off. He said that was awful. Just the days were just too long. Really, the work days. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. He said the four the four tens are fantastic though. Yeah, but peace officer is a little different than you know a lot of other jobs. Yeah, I, I, I mean, don't mostly know. it'd be boredom, and you sure wish you could go home and watch TV, not you know the I stress, etc. Yeah, I just wonder how productive you'd be on a shift that long. I'm not very productive now. I wish we <laughs> could do it. If we could do, if we could do four five hour shows and then take Friday off every week. Done. Yeah, it obviously doesn't work for this industry. But, but you should hear that attitude. fifth hour. Yeah, <laughs> a little slow-paced, I promise you. We play a few more country songs during that fifth hour than we normally do. Let's get the news Here's now. a clip of the president talking about Russia. It's uh, 20 minutes long. There you go. There'd be a lot of that. <laughs> news now with Marshall Phillips. Well, President Trump's inviting Russia's Vladimir Putin to meet with him again this time in the White House. It's only polite, Marshall. They had you over. You got to have them over. Although, I guess it was Helsinki, wasn't it? It was. So, Washington meeting would be a dramatic extension of legitimacy to the Russian leader that's long been isolated by the West. A Russian leader has not visited in nearly a decade. Trump's top intelligence official, National Intelligence Director Dan Coats, was among those who didn't know about the invitation, asking with surprise when Andrea Mitchell told him about it during an appearance at the Aspen Security Forum. Uh say we have some breaking news. The White House has announced on Twitter that Vladimir Putin is coming to the White House in the fall. Say that again. <laughs> you, Vladimir Putin coming to the... Did I hear the, you? Yeah, I hear yeah, you. yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's going to be special. <laughs> He seems wow. like a likable guy, and yeah, he's he just—he's he, well respected too. He, yeah. Well, he's obviously not super concerned about if they fired him today. He's just saying, yeah, "I did my best." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> go back to doing whatever he was doing before. <clears throat> um, he could have, I course, of course, I suppose, if he wanted to be true to his boss, he could have acted like he knew. <sighs> that'd be a weird thing to do. I suppose. Yeah, that'd be tough to pull off. Oh yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's uh, clearly a good idea to move things forward. Uh, well, what what are you going to discuss? I don't know. I'm when is it? Eh, soon. I'm worn out with <laughs> right. this conversation, but what right. is there a specific thing Trump wants to get out of Putin is hoping for? Or just general better relations? All copies of the tape would be a start. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Again with the PP tape. Uh, 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 the, uh, the ego gratification is of being seen as a great uh, diplomat. I guess, and dealmaker. That's part of it. Of course, every president's motivated by that, to be fair. We, we haven't uh, played the clip. Something quali- specific uh, policy-wise? Uh, just less conflict, I guess. We haven't played the clip, and we should have, to be fair, with Trump saying yesterday, look, if, if, if Putin backs out on any of our agreements, I'm going to be the worst enemy he's ever had. N-P-freaking-R. This morning did a feature where they had to admit that Trump has been markedly tougher on Russia and Putin than Obama ever was. By leaps and bounds. I'll grant you, it's kind of odd how the rhetoric doesn't match the policy. There are some who think that his entire foreign policy team is at odds with the POTUS, but I'm not sure I Have you ever that. had a salesman be really nice to you and then you realize you got screwed? Well, yes. I mean, that's Which what, was that's, what I was saying that's before. That's what Trump is. He's a salesman who's really nice to you and screws you. Right. Hey, that's a really good idea of Vladimir. That's something we'd be happy to consider. Right. Hmm. He rubs his chin. Hmm. 
And then he goes back <laughs> to his team and says, can you believe what this idiot thought we'd go for, please? I just... And I got to wait and see on so many things. I think that playbook is very effective when you're trying to get building permits from city oh, council yeah. members. Yeah, I would sure. agree. Right. It might not right. work in world diplomacy to, do, diplomacy to do the sales guy thing. Uh, I will also that tell, certainly certainly could be true. Uh, I will tell you this: I am concerned, and I don't know the answer. I am concerned that Trump doesn't realize. Although I, I, my, my guess is he does, but I'm concerned that he doesn't realize that. The quote-unquote improved relations are 100% likely to resort to result in Vladimir Putin doing something truly dangerous and reprehensible. And then saying, whoa, 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 wait, whoa, whoa, you didn't want us to do that? Oh, hey, my buddy, my friend, we got good relations going on, let's, let's talk about this, let's negotiate this. I'll keep the land that we just took, the chunk of Estonia we just invaded, or... Or, you know, Estonians took themselves in uniforms that look a little like ours. and uh, But no, let's negotiate some more. I, that's a 100% guarantee. I just hope he knows that. Switching gears. Test run of a four-day work week has come up with some surprising results. A company in New Zealand lets employees work four days a week, 32 hours total, while paying them for a 40-hour work week. They found the ex- experiment was so successful they are planning to make the change permanent. The New York Times is reporting the company Perpetual Guardian, which manages customers' trust in their estates, found the four-day work week actually boosted productivity among its 240 employees. Obviously not productivity per hour, but total productivity. Total. Yes. Supervisors reported workers were more creative, attendance was better, they were on time, and they didn't leave early or take long breaks. The shorter work week prompted... Until you got used to it. Mm, wait a minute. <laughs> there is a principle yeah. of, of, of uh, conditioning. And yeah, until it's I no longer... I can't remember the name of it. Until it's no longer a perk or like an unusual change. It's just the way your life has been. Right, you're no longer energized and, and refreshed. And then bring and, out yeah. my three-day work week plan. Go ahead, Marshall. This is fine. <laughs> that's right. That's the right. shorter you're work week... You're no longer week. grateful, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, yeah, that's it. You'd yes. no longer be grateful for it. Yeah. The shorter work week prompted employees to find ways of increasing their productivity. Meetings were were cut from two hours to 30 minutes. Employees worked out where they were wasting time. They worked smarter and not harder. Hmm. And when hiring, it was determined supervisors should negotiate the task to be performed rather than basing contracts on hours that new employees had to spend in the office. Well, I've always been a big believer in judge the results of what gets done, not the hour somebody sits in a desk. So anyway, four-day work week on the horizon for all of us, maybe? Except that we utterly punctured a hole in in your harebrained theory, Marshall. Which is, it'll be a temporary effect. No, 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 no. That was a theory that was proposed by Positive Sean. It wasn't proven. It's human nature. If you know anything about humanity. Yeah, it's human nature. Hey, one last quick note. Here's a story of a lovely lady. The California home, whose exterior was shot as the Brady family home, and the Brady Bunch is up for sale for about $2 million. The two-bedroom, three-bathroom split-level home in L.A. was bought in 1973 for $61,000. $61,000. Yes. The original owners died. The original owners uh, have died. Their children are selling the property, which the real estate agent says 
gets 30 to 50 visitors a day showing up to see it. Oh, really? Have their pictures taken out in front cool. of it. Yeah, you got the den. You know, you yeah. can sit in there, and if your kids come in and need some wise advice, you give them some advice. Right, with an orchestra playing in the background somehow. <laughs> right. um, it's said to be the most photographed house in America. Is next it really? to the White yeah. House. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That may or may not be true. It's a catchy headline, I believe. It's Six kids <laughs> sharing a bathroom. There you go. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips, the Armstrong and Getty Show, the conscience of the nation. Got a living maid who's banging the butcher? What? Huh? That's indelicate, sir. That was indelicate. Oh, she doesn't have the right for love because she's a domestic servant? I just think it's going to muddle up things. Your butcher, you know, the worlds are colliding. I don't know. You think maybe they got like a kickback scheme where he like overcharges for the meat? And she winks and, and, she goes and he along gives with it the hat. Right, right, exactly. Yeah. Alice didn't seem to work a lot. A lot of sitting around the table having coffee with Carol. Wisecracks will work. (laughs) Look at us. Uh, People believe their job is causing them to gain weight, among other things, coming up. It's not helping. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the the nation. The Armstrong and Getty Show. You know, I like the Diamond Dave Van Halen, but I really like the Sammy Hagar Van Halen, too. I like them both. They're just different bands. Yeah. I got to pick one. It's got to be Diamond Dave. Comparing them seems like, I don't know if there's any point. They're different, really different bands. But yeah. My kids love the Sammy Hagar Van Halen. Yeah, well, it's more childlike. <laughs> it is more uh, consumable, no yeah. doubt about it. Yeah. Uh, this is breaking news. President Trump's lawyer, you might remember Michael Cohen. Says who? Says who? Polls. Which polls? All, all of them? Some of them? All of them? Okay. <laughs> remember him? Uh, He says, this is according to the New York Times, that he secretly recorded Trump before the 2016 election discussing payments to uh, porn star Stormy Daniels. Oh, what? So he secretly recorded Trump's conversations? I believe he secretly recorded everybody's conversations. Probably. He, well, you know what? You hire that sort of guy to do dirty work, he's in the dirty work business. Did you just bring up Stormy Daniels under any context? Well, I think secret recordings of the now president is uh, pretty interesting. Yeah, well. I don't think it's a big deal that, uh, you know. What about the campaign contributions? I don't don't care that that he came up with an arrangement with the porn star that, hey, you keep your mouth shut, I'll give you this much money or whatever it is. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't have a problem with that. So even if we find out, but it'd be pretty interesting to hear the conversation. Don't you think if that comes out? Oh yeah. To actually hear the conversations. Yeah. I guess New York's a one party consent state for recording and that yeah, ain't that cool, would, dude. The, the, don't record my private conversations. Tell you what, if I were him, I'd watch his back. 
Be a drone coming his way, huh? Remember when the FBI <laughs> went into his office and there was a lot of talk over whether or not that was overblown or you should you do that or whatever that's the FBI seized the recordings during that raid and they had some reason to believe that he had those recordings and that they had to go in on a raid or he would have destroyed them perhaps. Yeah. And it's uh, paying women to tamp down embarrassing stories, so it could be more than just that one. But what was the FBI? But you get to do that. you got to all remember that. You can do that. I can do that. I can have sex with some woman and say, I'll give you $5,000 if you don't tell my wife. That's not against the law. Right. Not from your point of view. If she demands it, then it's blackmail. Yeah. Extortion. If you're into the whole campaign finance thing, okay, well, then you better... What a joke. Yeah, I mean, really. Hey, did you hear uh, 49ers, uh, San Francisco 49ers, handsome handsome quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo was seen squiring a porn girl around? Is that uncool? Took her out on a date in Beverly Hills. You're not allowed to do that? As a, I don't know, role model, a member of the community, et cetera, et cetera, professional fornicator, uh, I don't know. She's an actress. Yeah. Again, they're not acting. They're actually fornicating. (laughs) This is... Yeah, there's some acting. <laughs> They're acting like they enjoy it. Yes, that it's not a paycheck <laughs> yeah. in front of a crew. Weird. Uh, so this has been getting a fair amount of conversation. You know, we added another country to NATO fairly recently. Mm-hmm. There are now 30. And Beautiful Montenegro. And uh, I couldn't find it if I had to. I'm it's guessing, beautiful this time of year. I'm guessing it's somewhere between Germany and Russia. Well, kind of, sort of. Okay. It's in the Balkans. But anyway, um, Tucker Carlson asked Trump about that the other night, and this is getting a fair amount of attention. So membership in NATO obligates the members to defend any other member that's attacked. So let's say Montenegro, which joined last year, is attacked. Right. Why should my son go to Montenegro to defend it from attack? I Why is that? I understand what you're saying. I've asked the same question. You know, uh, Montenegro is a tiny country with very strong people. Yeah, I'm not against Montenegro uh, right. or Albania. No, by the way, they're very strong people. They're very aggressive people. They may get aggressive. And congratulations, you're in World War III. Now, uh, I understand that, the, but that's the way it was set up. So do you understand the way the whole NATO thing works? There's Article this, 5, Jack. There's the Article 5 that an attack on one is an attack all, on all. So in theory... Articles 1 through 4, all about who pays for lunch. Well, it's article, known. article 3 is you have to pay a certain amount on your own defense, and nobody was doing it. So everybody feels free to ignore Article 3 while we pay for the whole freaking thing. Mm. But Article 5 is a big deal. Um, and the whole point is that any attack on any country, we all band together and, and resist. Yes. I, I had, George Will, who I really like, the Washington Post, has been saying for years, like a dozen years, that Article 5 is a joke. We would not come to the defense of a lot of those countries, and neither would some of the other major powers, Britain. or They're not going to send troops in or say it's just as similar as just as if we were attacked here in Germany. That has been a joke forever. Congratulations, Vlad. Vlad Putin. Go ahead, run roughshod over Europe. Jack just invited you in. Jack has just torn down the bulwark of anti-Soviet slash Russian aggression for the past 70 years. Are you proud of yourself? I agree. I don't think we would come. I don't think most of the major countries in NATO would automatically honor Article 5, depending on the situation. You'd think we'd kind of shuffle and look at our feet and say, yeah, well, we're considering well, it's uh, just the a pe- proper response. Like all this something. stuff, yeah. it's a piece of paper, and at the point that it doesn't serve your interest, you say, I'm out. On the other hand, what Donald J. just said about Montenegro getting aggressive, they're very aggressive. Well, that's ridiculous. And they're going to attack Russia? What are you talking about? It's a, t- it's a country of 650,000 people. 
But if they got in a beef, it's not Russia invading and we think, okay, we need to get involved in this or they're, you know, they're going to run over Europe, et cetera, et cetera. That makes sense. But if Montenegro jumped ugly with some other country over some other dispute, oil rights or something, I don't know enough about Montenegro, but they get into a battle with someone else, we're not going to get involved in that. They get attacked. No way we are. I'm not even sure we would if Russia moved on them. Well, see, that's an issue. That's a problem. I guarantee And that's you. the reason NATO exists, because the Russian bear will pluck off the weak, one after the other after the other, till it reestablishes its empire. Well, I guarantee a public opinion would be way against it. Us sending troops to Montenegro to defend them against the Russians. It wouldn't even be close. Well, the great balancing act that is uh, Article 5 in NATO is that Again, overlooking Article 3, if they're so damned into Article 5, how about you pay what you're supposed to pay? The uh, the idea is that because of the existence of it, there will be no need for it. And it's right. worked. It's worked brilliantly, mostly. That is how we got all those countries to join us after 9-11. I mean, exactly. that's, that's why Poland sent some troops to Afghanistan is because of Article 5. And that's also more or less how World War One happened. Yep. Yep. So there's that. There is. But that was a long time ago, so it doesn't count. It doesn't matter. It doesn't? History is a waste of time. <laughs> Don't study it. Modern people are smart. They wouldn't make those You're mistakes. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show.